Hi, and welcome to this week's episode of Financial Planning Explained. And I'm your host, Mike Menninger, Certified Financial Planner, founder of Menninger & Associates Financial Planning. I'm excited to uh, bring together today um, Sarah Holden, who is a uh, doctor in economics and part of the, look at your title, it is the Senior Director of Retirement and Investor Research at the Investment Company Institute. Sarah, welcome to my show. Mike, thanks so much for having me. Well, I appreciate you coming on, to be perfectly honest with you, Sarah, until just recently, I never even knew that the Investment Company Institute even existed. So given that I didn't know about it, then maybe I think the viewers don't know about it either. So can you tell us a little bit about the ICI? Sure. ICI, the Investment Company Institute, is the trade association that represents the regulated fund industry globally. And so in the United States, that means our members are mutual funds and exchange-traded funds, or ETFs. Right. So our members manage more than $40 trillion in assets globally on the behalf of hundreds of millions of shareholders who are saving for their most important goals, like for a home or education or retirement. And I'm in the research department there, and so we do a lot of work looking at, well, how do people go about saving and investing to reach these goals. Okay. Okay. Well, there's a lot of things. It sounds like what you and I do are very similar because of the fact that we work directly with the client now uh, for all of the same ideas, saving for retirement. And we obviously factor in uh, you know, their goals and objectives and you know, I can't underestimate the impact of emotions, as you know. Do you deal directly with the individuals or how do you, how do you deal with people? So basically, ICI uh, represents the industry. So our members are mutual fund companies. Uh, so they, they're the ones who are offering the mutual funds and the exchange-traded funds. And they're the ones working with the shareholders in terms of helping them actually set up accounts and get invested and get saving. What we do is represent uh, them before regulators and Capitol Hill. So if, uh, for example, a rule change is in the making at the Securities and Exchange Commission, ICI will take a look at the rule and make sure that it will be good for funds and shareholders and will then comment on that rule. We also, as part of this whole process, gather information on the fund industry so that we can promote awareness of mutual funds and exchange-traded funds and their investors. And because so many of our shareholders are saving for retirement, the reason my division exists is so that we can study how those people are going about meeting that very important goal of saving for retirement. So we gather data on the retirement market. We recently published data looking at that we've got $35 trillion earmarked for retirement. There's more than $12 trillion in individual retirement accounts alone, another about $7 trillion in 401k plans. And so understanding the size of those assets and putting that information out is so important, but also then understanding how people are managing those accounts is very important. And this is where uh, people can go to our website, ici.org. And if you're a 401k investor and you'd like to have an idea of how your plan looks compared to other plans, We've got a resource page on 401k plans where we have information on what the typical 401k plan looks like. We also have research showing 
what the typical 401k investor did with their assets or did with their account. And I think this information is helpful so that you can have an idea of, well, here's what I'm doing. Let me see what other people my age have been doing. Interesting. So do you, when people are looking at the 401k plans, are you talking about the companies who serve as the providers? Meaning that, let's say I have a 401k that I offer to my uh, employees, or are you talking about the employees and the general investor is taking a look and comparing? Because the problem is, is if I am just a general employee of, you know, Apple, you know, I, there's nothing I can do about changing my plan. So what value does that provide? So it's actually both are looking. So the plan sponsors will be looking at the information to see for example, on average, there are more than 20 investment options offered in a typical 401k plan. Right. And so if I'm a plan sponsor, I'm an employer, and I want to have an idea, well, how does my plan measure up? I could take a look at that report and see that how many investment options I have compared to that average, what kind of investment options I'm offering compared to that average. We also report on the percentage of plans that have employer contributions. And this is such an important plan design feature. And it turns out that nine out of 10 participants are in a 401k plan that actually has employer contributions. So if you're an employer and you don't have employer contributions, your plan is really coming up short compared sure. to what is going on you know, more commonly. So I think that both the participants can take a look to see you know, what kind of investment options are offered and see what other people have in their age group. We typically analyze it by age to see what kind of investments they've chosen. And then we also have for the plan sponsor, well, what are the features that are included in the 401k plan, whether there are employer contributions, whether loans are allowed, right. whether what types of investments you've got. And you can get a sense whether you're a participant or a sponsor of the range of choices, the range of options. And in the 401k, typically we have uh, domestic equity funds, uh, international equity funds, and then domestic bond funds. There's often what are called target date funds. Uh, right. So if you're someone who says, you know, picking from all those 20 options is a little too hard for me, I'll just go with the target date fund. The target date fund has in its name the year you expect to retire. So you choose the fund that's closest to that date. So if you're young now, you might pick like a 2065 fund. And that fund will be diversified, which means it's going to invest in a whole bunch of different securities, stocks and bonds. But importantly, it's going to rebalance for you over yes. time. So as you're aging towards retirement and the fund is approaching and passing that target date, it will be rebalancing to become less focused on equities and growth to be more focused on income. Because when you get to retirement, that's what you're going to be thinking about. So that's a great option that's included in those 401k plans is a target date fund, which will help you not only with diversification, but also with rebalancing those assets over time. So I think both participants and plan sponsors can get a good sense of the lay of the land out there in 401k space to see how they compare. That's interesting. You know, first of all, I've, it's amazing to hear that the 2065 fund is already available. I remember <laughs> when the 2050s came out and I was like, wow, that's way out there. But, you know, here we are. It's, it's you know, we're into the 2020s already, which is just remarkable in itself. So one of the things that I've noticed about um, target date funds 
is that, for instance, Vanguard's 2040, or tw let's say the 2030, uh, and I'm not intending to pick on Vanguard or nothing, just comparison. Vanguard's 2030, Fidelity's 2030, T. Rowe Price's 2030, John Hancock's 2030 are invested rather differently. I have found that some 2030s are substantially more aggressive than other 2030s. Do you have any type of analysis on that data too? So basically what you're seeing at work there is a competitive industry where each of the firms you've named uh, have taken a, a look at this decision of what's the appropriate asset allocation and how should it vary over time by age for people? And they've come up with slightly different answers. And okay. that's just sort of part of a vibrant competitive market. So the plan sponsor in choosing which of those companies they're going to use in their 401k plan will think about how they feel about the asset allocation in that particular target date fund suite when they choose the target date provider. Ex for except for plan. one problem though, Sarah, um, wouldn't you agree that a lot of the plan sponsors, and for those who don't know what the plan sponsor is, it's basically the business owner. The business owner, Sarah, doesn't always really know to select between should I grab the Vanguard ones or should I grab the Fidelity ones or the T. Rowe Price or the American funds. They're not sophisticated enough. They probably don't have the time enough. So who is supposed to provide that guidance? Because don't they also have a lot of liability in, as the plan sponsor for those plans? Yeah, so the plan sponsor uh, it, in choosing to offer this benefit of the 401k plan, and this is a benefit, so they're offering it to attract and retain quality workers. Uh, it is their fiduciary responsibility to set up the plan to the benefit of the participants. And some of them will get help from advisors. Some of them will go it on their own, research it on their own. And there's a lot of material available online. The Department of Labor has information uh, laying out the responsibilities of the plan sponsor. And they will then uh, select uh, the lineup of investment options typically to cover a range of risk and returns. So if there are some stock funds as well as bond funds, there's usually a money market fund option for yep. people who want a bit of a cash component, maybe some of their older participants. And then as I said, there's typically the target date fund, which offers you know that diversification and rebalancing all in one spot. But it is the responsibility of the plan sponsor to do this. And the plan sponsor, I think you're thinking about more of a small employer. And again, the Department of Labor has a lot of information online. They have a booklet uh, specifically for small employers to show them the range of options that they have. And they actually have the full range of choice that they can do a full-blown 401k plan, or if they'd like, they could do a simple IRA, which yes, is easier to administer, plans. easier to set up. So I think a whole lot of help out there for no matter what size business you are, so that you can navigate making these decisions so that you can offer this 401k plan as a benefit to your workers. Absolutely. And you brought up a very valuable point when you referenced the simple IRA, you have SEP IRAs, uh, you have 401ks, and, and there's a litany of different types of retirement plans out there. And it's very important that the uh, business owner really should be talking to another professional as to identifying which is the best plan for that company because it comes down to costs to the business owner as well as the offerings and the availability. There's a numerous different advantages and disadvantages and nuances associated with each type of plan. So yes, as well as different contribution limits. Absolutely. And, and That's sort of a, a exactly. full range can 
go on there. But I think really the, the key takeaway, Mike, is that, you know, 401k plans are an extremely successful tool in the retirement toolkit. Absolutely. Uh, so many employers offer them. It, they've really become common parlance. People talk about 401k. You know, it's kind of like Kleenex. It's become yes. <laughs> uh, sort of the generic word for, for a retirement plan. And I think people appreciate having the plans. And so the employers really do take time uh, to make sure that they're setting up a benefit for their employees so that their employees can get on this path to saving for retirement and it's so important to have the employer taking that role we, we do surveys of defined contribution plan participants and we ask them about the features of the plans and the vast majority of them will say that the fact that their employer offered the plan and made them think about the long term not just their current goals is, is something they appreciate. They also say that saving paycheck by paycheck through payroll deduction makes it easier to save. They appreciate the choice and control of the investment options, and they appreciate the tax advantages. Absolutely. So really, to have the employer stepping in and set, making drawing attention to this important goal is appreciated by the workers. And then when there's an employer contribution, that really shows that you're putting your money where your mouth is as an employer. Because when your people save, you put money directly into their account. And nine out of 10 people in 401k plans have employer contributions. Sometimes it'll just be a little bit that goes in for everybody. So everybody has something, right. but more often it's in the form of a match. And that means uh, you as a participant want to be sure you contribute the full amount to get oh, that full match. No or you kidding. have literally left money on the table. No kidding. Uh, so You'd that, be surprised you know, it's very how many important to take advantage. But this is where the employer is really saying, not only am I designing this plan and offering it to you, I'm actually going to put money in it for you. Uh, it's a beautiful thing. And you know, to be perfectly honest with you, when I first graduated from college and I got my first job and they had a 401k, I, I probably would not have contributed at the time because obviously beer was more important. But the fact that my company <laughs> was matching it was silly for me to not contribute because it was free money. And so the other thing too associated with retirement plans, as you pointed out, is it is a, it is a benefit that the employer is providing. And for those employers, they should be talking to their accountants or their financial advisors. For those employers who set up new plans, there are tax credits associated with it. Plus they are getting a deduction for those contributions that they're making on behalf of their employees. So, and actually, if you are a small employer, there's tax credits for the setup of the plan. Correct. And recently, they've added a tax credit if you add automatic enrollment to the plan. Oh, really? I didn't uh, know that. So, yes. Yeah, so that to promote that design feature um, with automatic enrollment, when you hire somebody, the decision for that person becomes, well, should I opt out as opposed to should I sign up? Right. So it puts people automatically on the path. Uh, but that means you'll have more people getting that employer contribution. So I think that recognizing that they've added that for small employers as well. Absolutely. Sarah, we're up against a break. Um, oh. If we'll be back. Time in, flies, Mike. <laughs> I, I know. Isn't it amazing? So um, please stay tuned. We'll be back with you in just one moment. Have you saved enough for retirement? Are you financially prepared for an emergency or unexpected event? Have you thought about your financial future? Hi, I'm Mike Manager, founder of Manager & Associates Financial Planning. 
For over 20 years, we have been answering our clients' questions just like these as we develop unique and comprehensive financial plans tailored to meet their needs. When addressing your financial plan, we incorporate your entire financial picture, including taxes, estate planning, as well as investment planning and retirement planning. So call us today for a complimentary no-obligation consultation. A unique approach to financial planning. Welcome back to Financial Plan and Explained. I'm Mike Manager, Certified Financial Planner, and I am your host. And I am excited to continue on with Sarah Holden, who is from the Investment Company Institute. And we've been talking mostly about uh, retirement plans, heavily focused on the 401ks. And where we left off, we were talking a little bit about the employer creating a plan. And what we'd like to pick up on is, number one, how does the individual invest in the plan? And then what if an uh, an individual doesn't have a plan. Well, to kick that off, you know, I've helped a handful of companies establish a retirement plan. And when I've helped the company, you know, they're relying very heavily on me as the financial advisor for the selection of investments. Well, you know, oftentimes there's like 200 investments that we can choose to put in the plan. But Sarah, I'm sure you'll agree with me, that would be paralysis by analysis because the individual investor in the plan is like, oh my goodness, what do I pick? And so intentionally what we do is we help guide the uh, plan sponsor, the business owner to select enough investments to cover each different asset class, but not overloading where the individual um, doesn't know what to do. Now, these are plans where I'm helping, and those particular plans, what we also do as the financial advisor, we also have enrollment meetings and we have periodic meetings with the employees to be able to guide them to the investing and stuff like that. Now, Sarah, help me out. If I work for or an individual works for a company and they have a retirement plan and a lot of the big retirement plans don't have a financial advisor what do you suggest that individual do well really uh, in terms of uh, looking at your 401k plan the first best place to look is the plan will typically have a website uh, for you it'll contain uh, a pie chart and, and for your account showing what you're invested in as well as how much money you've got in your account and there will be educational material uh, sometimes there will be uh, asset allocation sort of calculators that will give you an idea of you know a person of your age and your willingness to take risk might want to go with this much equity versus this much in bonds. We talked earlier about uh, target date funds is another solution. If you're feeling that you don't want to choose among all the options in the plan, you can choose the target date fund, which will be diversified and rebalanced for you appropriately as you age. So I think the lots of ways to navigate uh, that space in the plan itself, and often there'll be annual meetings or there may be information webinars. Uh, so a lot of material uh, to help you with that decision in the plan. So we work with clients and we're often given um, 
risk tolerance questionnaires. Now, I don't use them as gospel. I use them as a guideline because for us, it provides an opportunity to ask questions that are leading questions for us to be able to get a sense of their feel towards risk. And even though you have a target date retirement fund, as I indicated earlier for 2030, it might be 70% stocks, which may be for a conservative investor, a much higher um, amount of risk that they're willing to take. Do many of these websites also provide risk tolerance questionnaires? Yes, there's usually a lot of education around risk and return, because as you know, Mike, we would all love to get a high return without no risk, on of course. any risk. Yeah, I want no we risk and high love return. that product, so when that product comes out, let me know. Uh, but typically, in order to get a higher return, you do need to take on risk. So you need to ask yourself, can you stomach this? We survey defined contribution plan participants, and the majority of them say that knowing that they're investing paycheck by paycheck, makes them less worried about short-term fluctuations fluctuations in the market. Sure. So again, they're they're getting into the market little by little, so you, you're not making any, a big purchase. So you're not worrying about timing the market. Mm -hmm. As a retirement saver, you want to spend time in the market. So you want to get in little by little and stay in the market, but you do need to ask yourself what your stomach is for the stock market going up and down. And the majority of participants find that they can tolerate these short-term fluctuations, particularly when they're younger, because they've got a long time horizon to have the market recover for them. And that's what the target date funds are doing, is, is having more of that risk, more of that equity early on, and then rebalancing. But if you're someone who's, you look at the target date fund for your age, and it looks a little like it's got too much equity in it for you, you could pick one as if you were an older person. So you would pick a, a slightly right. different target date so that you end up with a more conservative allocation. Or there may be also what are called target risk funds or um, funds that say, no, I'm going to be conservative. They're balanced oh, yes. funds that are conservative, exactly. moderate, or aggressive. And you could go that route. Now, if you go that route, though, you better remember at some point which one you picked and then rebalance you know, to another one later on. But I think really it's a matter of sitting back and taking a look at yourself and what your comfort level with risk is and then choosing an allocation that you're comfortable with. You can't underestimate um, the importance of education. And I think you can apply this to just about everything in life. If you're uneducated about something, there's a tendency to fear it more. And one of the things that I've found just with working with folks, particularly the first time, is they fear the markets because they fear the unknown. And the most important thing we can do as advisors that you can do as the ICI is to educate the end user because once they're educated, they feel less uncomfortable with it. And that's yeah, Definitely. Education is so important. And the other thing I would note is, and this is where mutual funds are really so perfect for retirement savers or if you're saving for a home, whatever your goal, uh, because with the mutual fund, you're getting a professional investment management team or manager who's going to make all those hard decisions. So they're going to figure out when to buy the stock, when to sell the stock, when to rebalance, which stocks to buy, which countries to invest in. And so they're going to make all of the hard decisions for you. When you go into a fund, you end up in a 
school and you're able to own so many more securities than you could all by yourself. Exactly. So think of by yourself trying to buy the S&P 500, which is a yeah, good stock market that. index. It's the broad <laughs> market. It's, you know, by yourself doing that would be quite a task, but you could buy a share of an index mutual fund and that would get you into that whole market. Um, so you've got a professional who's taking care of all of those really hard decisions of when to buy, when to sell, what to buy, what to sell. You're also getting diversification. So your eggs are not all in one basket. You're holding a whole bunch of different securities. And so if one company isn't doing well, hopefully another one in your basket is doing well. It's cost effective. Uh, you know, imagine trying to do this all by yourself. Again, very hard to do. You can go into the mutual fund, cost-effective investing, and then you can sell your fund shares on any given day. So when the, when the day comes that you wish to uh, redeem some of those shares, maybe you're in retirement and you need to sell something in order to have some income, that's uh, available to you as well. So I really think that when um, thinking about getting into the stock market, there's lots of things to worry about and to think about in terms of which companies and this is where mutual funds or exchange traded funds can really help you get into so many more companies in a diversified way and that way you're into things little by little uh, rather than having a whole lot on the line in just one thing absolutely you know we referenced earlier um are you familiar with the unicorn fund investment no, it's the unicorn fund investment. Yeah, the unicorn fund investment is the one that has very low risk and a very high rate of return. You see? Uh that's the unicorn. The unicorns. <laughs> yeah, so this is, I will say out there in the world, there is a full range of things available. So you want to take a look at, as we talked earlier, risk and return. Uh, recognize the high returns come with a higher of course, risk. Of course, so you really, know I'm joking. Um, a full range of things available. I mean, a lot of our younger shareholders are interested in ESG, environmental, yes. social, and governance. Yes, that's investing. a relatively new thing. That's good. Tell us about it. Yeah, so ESG, uh, you can find a, a fund that, you know, is looking to invest in companies that are, you know, doing good things for the environment or doing good things in terms of their workers or their board composition. Mm -hmm. And so this is something we hear from younger shareholders that, not only do they want to invest in order to get in the market and get returns, but they actually want to have their investments align with their values. Right. And this is something you can do uh, through ESG investing. And that used to be called the socially responsible funds, right? Yeah, so it, well, there's different focus. So yeah, it started with originally sort of excluding things and then it got to including things and now we've got to sustainability. So there's oh. many different uh, sort of flavors within ESG. So. We're getting low on time. I know one of the other things that we talked about is um, what happens to uh, uh, an individual who doesn't have a 401k. And we talked about they have other options, right? Go ahead. Yeah, definitely. So best thing someone can do who doesn't have a plan at work, or even if you have a plan at work, you may want to do this as well, is open up an individual retirement account. Uh, so an IRA gives you all the tax advantages uh, that a 401k does. Uh, you get to select where you open it. So if you're someone who'd like some help, you could go to a full service broker or a financial advisor who could help you. About three quarters of IRA owning households do that. If you're a do-it-yourself person, you could go directly to a mutual fund company, directly online to a discount broker and just uh, set up the IRA yourself. Uh, once you've set it up, really the whole investing world is, is 
at your feet. So right. you can invest in mutual funds, exchange-traded funds, individual securities. Uh, so you really can uh, get out there into the market to save for retirement. And a little known fact about IRAs, if you have a spouse who does not have earnings, so maybe they're a student, uh, maybe they're home taking care of children, maybe they're taking care of parents, whatever reason, they don't have earnings, doesn't matter. If you have enough earnings to cover an IRA contribution for them, you can actually contribute to a spousal IRA. Correct. So this Correct. is a really neat feature of our tax code that it thinks of the household as a unit, that, that they're in it together. And the person who is currently out of the labor force actually has the opportunity to have a, a nest egg earmarked for them, Absolutely. an IRA for them, using their spouse's earnings. So Absolutely. I do, you know, economics, you know, an economist and, and romance, not usually something you put together, but I do a blog <laughs> each Valentine's Day saying, open up a spousal IRA. Well, Sarah, thank you much. Believe it or not, we're out of time, but I'd like to piggyback on the one thing that you just said there uh, to reference uh, an earlier episode that I had talked about was the difference between the traditional IRA and the Roth IRA, as well as the traditional 401k and the Roth 401k. And that's where you get into the difference of taxes and goals and objectives, et cetera, et cetera. I would encourage you, uh, you know, we have an episode on that. I've written white papers on that and I have a bunch of stuff on my website. But Sarah, thank you very much for joining us today. This was absolutely fantastic, very educational. Uh, do me a favor, just, just real quick. Um, Give a, a little plug to ICI. How could people reach out to the ICI uh, to gather information? Sure. So we have a website, www.ici.org, and there are resource centers on that page, one for 401k, one for IRAs, one about mutual fund investors. So a whole lot of great information there. We're also on LinkedIn. And we also have an education foundation, ICIEF, where you can find educational materials that talk about investing for the long term, uh, the trade-off between risk and return, and just you know getting on the path to saving for whatever the goal you have and getting out there and investing. Thank you very much. Sarah, we are out of time, but I thank you very, very sincerely. Wonderful educational. That was terrific. Thank you all for joining us this week and viewing, and I look forward to seeing you in future episodes of Financial Planning Explained. You have a wonderful week now. Thank you.